Okay. Hi, everybody. Hey, gang. Welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness, Lydia and Finn. As always, we are here, and today we are joined by an extra special guest who I have been wanting to get on the podcast for so long. It's so exciting. I'm like a little giddy kid. Since day one. Since day one, Literally. I was like the one person mm -hmm. that I want on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Three years ago, mm -hmm. 95 episodes ago, I was like, Uma Dinswatuli, <laughs> I want her on a podcast, and here she is. So exciting. My teacher and mentor, really. Um, yoga therapist, author of the most beautiful book of yoga, You Must Buy It, Yoni Shakti, and co-founder of the Yoni Shakti movement. Um, Uma Dinswatuli, here you are. Hello. Bless you. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's lovely to see you, Lydia and Finn. Thank you. And thank you for all the work that you do. It's an honour to be a guest here after all the wonderful folk that you shared with over the over the podcast. So thanks for inviting me. Mm, we're so excited because um, we always ask the people who follow us, what title do you want us to do next? What topic do you want us to talk about? And sometimes people respond and sometimes they don't, but they always respond that they want menopause mm. and they want to talk about menopause and they want a different <laughs> voice in menopause because all they're hearing is one thing or nothing. Mm, it's yeah. like a vacuum okay. or one thing. And I think for me, you are absolutely the only person that I want to hear from because this is really, working with wounds has been so much of your life's work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the work that I do as, as a yoga therapist is to is, is to bring yoga in, in the service of health and wellness. And it's focused. My work started with, with yoga for women, women's health and pregnancy and fertility. And it's evolved with my life, like a lot of people's work. This really started when I had little kids and I was working with pregnancy and birth. And obviously I'm an older woman now, I'm 56. So I'm kind of followed through. And a lot of my teachers, all my favorite and most inspiring teachers have been women over 70. So I kind of like, kind of don't trust anyone who's like under 60. Cause I'm like, I want to see what happens to you when you get old, when you do this stuff. Like, what do I see in those teachers of mine? And I see inspirational kind of capacity to, to really age with grace and menopause is all part of that. So it's indeed, and, and yoga nidra is part of that. So mm -hmm. as I've kind of like, I've always had yoga nidra as a key tool, which is yogic rest, in case you don't know what it is, is the kind of yoga everybody loves where you don't move around, you lie under a blanket, you listen, that's it. That's all you do as the ideal practice for menopause. I get, I'll return to that later. But yet, part of the cycle of our lives is a great initiation into, into And you're right, some people don't talk about it. It's just nice to have a conversation because people are like, oh, no, I'll get to that when it comes. Or like, oh, no, I don't want to hear about that. It's a kind of depressing thing. Or oh, don't speak about that. You know, the change of life. And, you know, or it becomes a bit of a joke. You know, the way people would sometimes joke about, say, oh, you know, she's she's on the rag. She's premenstrual. Ah, she's menopausal. So you don't want to listen to the mad menopausal woman. So it becomes, it comes sort of demeaned, I think. And yeah. then people get scared about it. I don't hear anything except for really bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think well, so. It's, it's a good. It, it's like it, it's great to have it. Like I, these types of chats, and I'm always kind of extra blessed to be in these sorts of spaces because we've had conversations around like um, working into like periods and, and looking at kind of like healthy menstruation practices. We have conversations around kind of like 
gender and race and cultural identity stuff that I wouldn't usually have access to the sorts of people and the sorts of topics on a day to day. So I'm always really blessed to be in these sorts of spaces and, and have guides like yourselves, because it, it, for me, this conversation isn't one just for women to have. It's more important, actually, for men to hear than it is in a way for women to hear, because that for us is our great driver in all of the fundamentals of our podcast is like understanding the reunion of the sexes which has to really happen and it's like the vital fundamental thing that the human race really needs to do and so i know that like 90 percent of our listeners are women like more probably unfortunately i'm like and, and so this topic is great because it gives them tools and empowers them but what we really want to do is is have this conversation in the open and spread it as far as it can go and to as many men as we can and so i suppose one of the things that 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 men don't necessarily engage with as much as women are the kind of seasons of their life because we don't have this monthly thing telling us how we're getting on and when we come to the end of a certain stage and what that means and I'd love if you could just explain you know in as basic language as you can what that cycle is all about from a theoretical point of view and what, what this is you're teaching us about. Yeah well fundamentally we are all cyclical beings right we live on a planet that spins around, like everything on the planet is a cyclical being, yeah? And, and, and the seasons and all this. Now, that manifests in different ways. And I like to use a really helpful analogy, you know, that actually, if you think about like the, the, the turning of a day, you know, there'll be different points in the day, the dawn, and then you come into the dusk, and then there's the nighttime of rest, and then there's different points when you're like full of energy in the morning, and you everybody can see that the stuff you can do in the evening or the afternoon might be quite a different kind of thing than what you do in the morning. And you can map those seasons in a day onto the seasons of the cycles of the year. You know, like you wouldn't be doing the same stuff that you do in the summertime, maybe with your your swimming togs on and in the, well I mean although people do that all the year round but like you wouldn't be behaving in the same way as you do midsummer as you do midwinter we have a whole celtic seasonal wheel of the year that helps people honor that as a ritual and, and as a as a, a real respectful way of being in tune with what is it's like it's the reality of experience on the planet and anything that pretends that's not real in terms of life cycle it's just fibbing <laughs> it's like it's like why would you want to deny that this is the case why would you want to pretend that you could stay young forever when clearly there is a process here like there is a process in the day or in the seasons so particularly in a female body as you say we've got this like menstruating rhythms are like the best biofeedback system in the world they're, they're a brilliant way to check in with the health and well-being of, of the person you know check on the quality of the blood and the experiences that you have and each month you know women who are menstruating and, and those who encounter menstrual cycles can see and feel that how you respect that cycle is 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 absolutely key to your health and well-being right and as we bleed so we birth so we enter menopause. So I think that the way that we treat with respect, and I'm sure you've had, you know, you've shared about this in the past, you know, how you respect the bleed time, how you respect the premenstrual, how, how you actually honor those different kinds of energy apart from anything else, um, and how you honor that can be mapped directly into menopause. Basically, mm -hmm. what's happening is if you think of this as entering the kind of fruiting autumn of our lives, 
you know. So the summertime is like, you know, if you think of a nice big apple tree, you know, you giving out fruits and the, the girl time or the, the, the springtime is all, all the blossom. Now, the autumn time is like kick-ass time. You've got, got capacity, skills, life experience, wisdom, humour. Menopause women don't give a flying fuck about what anybody thinks about that. <laughs> they say rudest. I didn't even check what's okay to but you, you, you get there's a kind of quality at a certain point where women just are like oh for god's sake you know come on now this is how it really is and you you can sense it and i think often it's a bit shut down or people get a bit scared about this in the way that they might be a bit frightened about the pre-menstruum i'm sure you've heard people talk about menstrual. Oh, it's like somehow a devil gets in and it's not even really me i'm so sorry it wasn't really me really it is really you it's the truth you know and one really helpful way to understand the relationship between entering into perimenopause which could happen like you could be organized by this energy from your 40s i mean some some arrive at menopause very early on you know i'm, I'm talking about the general sense but but what what often happens is that there's a recognition if, if a person if, if a woman has ever paid and I'm fully aware that like there are women who don't menstruate and, and, and there, there are people who don't identify as women who are menstruators as well. But anybody who engages with the menstrual cycle with respect will probably have noticed that that autumn time, that pre-menstruum time is often a time of like, take rest, be prepared for the big truth. You know, you're connecting with the reality. We will get to the point where they're like, whatever it is in life that's unsustainable or or intolerable surfaces, doesn't it? Like you can put up with all kinds of shite in the, in the ovulatory period. And, but like when you get to the premenstruum, often people are like, that's it, sorry, but this is how it is. And I think it's the same with menopause. Actually, the women are no longer prepared to kind of compromise on putting up with all the kinds of nonsense they've had to put up with, you know, being objectified and silenced and all these other aspects of things that are all part of the systems of oppression. Kind of make us not even want to talk about menopause. That's one of the terrible things in the same way it's changing now, but in the yeah. same way that nobody would even say anything about menstruating, don't let anyone know you're doing it. Menopause is like one of the great taboos. Don't yeah. mention it. Why not? Well, because it might speak a few uncomfortable truths to people and because kind of nobody wants to even admit they're in it or out of it. And I've come a cropper with people like I'm really upfront about it. Like this is my bleeding time. This is what I haven't bled in whatever it was. I keep a little track of these things. Two hundred and fifty seven days. You know, that's my personal experience. Mm -hmm. But you can go through that. What is menopause? Literally the pause, the cessation of the menox, you know, of, of the menses. But how does that happen? different people different ways you can go for a whole year without bleeding then you can start bleeding again you can go for two years without bleeding and start bleeding again you can bleed constantly like it, everyone's got their own journey through it and it's about making peace with yourself to be honest <laughs> and does that does that rhythm for you did that rhythm come do you think more organically and more naturally and more fluidly and coherently because of your practices, Yoni Shakti, etc., like that I don't I don't understand. I'd love to know more about it. And I'd love to know more about what okay. you did. And 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 did, do you think that how much of a bearing that had on your experience of the menopause? Oh, this is a great question. Yeah, I actually believe 
that the conscious attention and that's kind of yoni shakti just means source power it's about practices that help us pay attention to the source power that which are the rhythms of our lives so i think but there's lots of different ways to do it you know menstrual literacy or cycle awareness or all of these menstrual educators are all encouraging conscious engagement with menstrual cycles as a way to optimize our health and well-being as a way to be honest about who we are and what we can achieve in life and what's you know when to do you know it's like optimizing how to live according to the rhythms of your life and i do believe that those practices are very good preparation for menopause when of course maybe what was a regular dependable cycle goes awol people are they don't know which way is up anymore that it's a bit like adolescence backwards you know like yeah, when you're yeah. a teenager all these hormones start rushing around and you haven't got a freaking clue what's going on and you've got to navigate this kind of it's like a roller coaster up and down mood swings all that stuff not unlike menopause what's the difference is you're kind of doing it backwards and you're doing it in an aging body <laughs> yeah like really adolescence backwards in an aging body watch out yeah you need to prep for that but obviously there are people who've never had a conscious period in their lives try to pretend like it's not happening and then if i see that that's actually the preparation for menopause so if you haven't done your prep you kind of having to wing it you know it's like mm -hmm. you haven't learned what you can learn about yourself and then you get there and then all of a sudden all those lessons that you could have learned from those period times you didn't do them so menopause that's why it's so scary but it is possible i think to do conscious menopause and catch up because it's an accelerated time of growth and understanding so i i, I want to give a shout out to anyone who goes oh fuck you know i never did any of that conscious menstruation how am i going to manage this and there'll be grief and regret like all the periods are finishing some people are relieved oh good i'm glad that's over you know but like there could be a mixture of regret and grief and relief. And then this sense that none of it makes any sense. Why? Because you never made any sense out of the earlier cycles, which are just practice. Mm. Some people say that like at the beginning of her bleed time, a girl will meet the power, the cyclical power. And then through the menstruating years, you practice meeting that power every month. It breaks you down and you come out again. And then when you get to menopause, what do you do? You become the power. It's like, so if you haven't had the prep, then you, you need a little bit of extra help, I think, to make it through so you can come out the other side and, and have had a sense that actually there was some meaning to this other than just a list of symptoms. It's a meaningful initiation into power. And so talk to us about like, your <laughs> symptoms of it, like your experience of it. Like what, what, what hit you first? What was unexpected or was anything unexpected? And okay. Because you can talk about it all the time before you get there, but I'm assuming it's a lot of the thing that you can't really educate yourself or anybody else on until you live it a little bit, right? Yeah, I think living is more. And I also think I'd quite like to grab that word symptoms and chuck it out. Yeah. Because symptoms <laughs> makes it sounds like like you've got some kind of, you know, plague, mm. you know. 
like so if we and also it it makes it hard to see the whole because people will google like menopause and you'll get like these awful checklists like 48 symptoms including terrifying things like vaginal atrophy and <laughs> vaginal dryness and osteoporosis and mood swings and mind wipe and hot flushes and you're just like and you go through it's rare that anybody would like check all 48 of those or 56 of those or whoever gives you the list but if you do that you kind of break it apart whereas mm. if you put it all to the whole and say why are all these changes happening? It's a time of great change. And I think one of the things that struck me was that it calls for rest, actually. It's very big. It takes a lot of energy to, to make a change, doesn't it? Think how much adolescents sleep. They sleep because they're frigging rewiring their whole neural networks, aren't they? And I think menopausal women, it's almost like we need a gap here I've got a dear friend, Kate Codrington is a, is a great writer and inspirer on menopause. And she says, you should all take a, a, like a menopausal gap year, the way that people go to find themselves when they travel around the world. Now, how realistic is that? I don't know, but like you could take a nap in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Make it, it like start small. Yeah. Maybe you yeah. can't get a whole year, but you can say, I'm just going to minutes time i need downtime why because you're processing change and be respectful of that because one of the reasons one of the things i noticed was a very interesting thing a lot of people notice that is that when you've been tied into the menstrual cycle like it can be messy and it's kind of unavoidable like you can see it you know like you've got to do stuff there's like blood and people have experiences that you know you pay attention whereas when you don't have that you could just power on through and just i'm just keep on going and i see a lot of menopausal women and people heading which is means the time around menopause before the bleeds actually totally stop they just keep on powering through and pretending like oh there are no cycles but there are mm. and if you really listen in i think like connecting with the lunar cycle i don't want to sound like a total <laughs> witchery here but like the rhythms of the lunar cycle become very important because the little moon inside the uterus and her turns that's kind of calling the shots so i think the focus becomes much more about the world as a whole and your place in it mm -hmm. and you're tying into those bigger rhythms and seasonally affective disorder began to affect me much more profoundly as a menopausal wow. woman because i kind of didn't have that inner youthful energy to sort of power my way through the winter i was like a sad sad you know <laughs> see thing with my little sunshine box which i've only just turned on because turned off because noticing that and and then there's people often talk about things like mind wipe or like just mm. like why is that happening why because you're re rewiring to let greater wisdom shine through you why the fuck should you have to remember what what's especially if you're the person who holds all the stuff you know in, in a family or in a workplace often it's the women who remember when the boss's wife's birthday was or when that child mm. needed the violin for the fiddle lessons and who forgot to bring their swimming togs and they're all holding all this stuff women have that role and it's like you, like you're holding it all for everybody and I think at a certain point you need to put some of it down mm. and it's like because it's like you're making space to become an elder mm. you know yeah, yeah, and yeah. what a gift I have so many friends who died before they got to this stage I don't know about you but like people who never made it through I mean be glad to get the opportunity to get old I mean and people don't often talk about aging and menopause, like somehow menopause 
talks are all about how you can retain youth and vitality, but there's another freedom that comes. In the end, I feel like so much more vital and so much more direct and able like to be of service, to do my work and to be present to people because I'm out of that cyclical littleness yeah. and into the cyclical bigness. And that's what they mean when they talk about a wise. I mean, it doesn't mean you're an old wizened up crone, although full respects for the crone, but you're not there yet. You're in a space of like keeping hold of the vitality and having a respect to let it move through in a slightly different way. I don't know if that's a bit general, but it's like, it, it really, I think it changes how people deal with it. If you see that this is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it really like, it's is. the glass half full thing. It's like being thankful for life instead of fearful of death. That's really it, isn't it? Like, and I think we've, we're coming through a couple of years where that's been definitely on the agenda. And we've seen a lot of, you know, uh, decisions that have been made based on that other side of it. And it's great to think about flipping the switch now and just thinking, okay, every day is so fucking precious. And there's like, and, and more precious, the more, the more days you lived. And that's a, that's something I'd never really thought about that as we live more days, like each day, like, phew, another one. Great. What are we going to do with this one? That's a really, really great way to think about it. I love it. Yeah. And my, my acupuncturist said to me recently, um, she was talking about menopause and we were having this conversation. So I'm having it with everyone now. Um, and she was saying, yeah, there's this huge freedom and power. And that what she felt most was that she learned to embody the word no when she got into her menopause. And that she was just like, no, I don't enjoy weddings. I don't go to weddings anymore. I just don't like them. Mm -hmm. And no justification. No, I'm sorry, because I think I probably should do the thing, but I better go. I better. No, just like, no, I don't do that. Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. like that. That also frees other people up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you're just live and direct. You're like, also, when I say it's like making peace with yourself, I think a lot. There's a lot of regrets and uh, regrets and sadnesses and disappointments. And you kind of, you can get a choice. You can get into that and be a bit bitter. But the bitterness is like a, a temporary thing. It's like, well, actually, yeah, taste the bitterness. I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I've done that and I wish I hadn't done that and I've given twenty years of my life for this and like. Yeah, that need, that's part of the process and the sense that, you know, I don't know, betrayals and bit Then you go through that because actually you can stay in that for the rest of your days. And, and, and or you can embrace the fact that now there's a freedom to do what you really want to do. And that's why you need to say no. So all power to the acupuncturist who's like, and how do you learn that? You learn that in the premenstrum as well, isn't that? part of the wisdom of preparing for not crashing and burning and taking everyone down with you in the pre-menstruum, which is what happens if you don't stop, that just the act of pause and respect gives people the space they need to then actually be clear about what you do and what you don't do. And mm -hmm. I'm one of those folk who was always like, oh yeah, give it to, you know, give it to the busy one. The busy one will do it. Oh yeah, 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 Uma will do that. And I'm like, actually, yeah, I still, like to be engaged with things but I think a key menopausal teaching for me has been like keep the focus on what actually nourishes you and what your real gifts are and people mm. read there's a dear colleague of mine who's in perimenopause now but recently um like she'd always wanted to be like an illustrator or an artist and, and things happened in her life that that didn't happen and she was told she should get a sensible degree and trained in other things you know and now in the in the 40s and 50s it's like actually discovered this not hidden talent but something she'd always wanted to do and bingo isn't she like selling all these greetings cards and like just just put it out there and shot it's a bit familiar. 
brought out like this, this, this girl artistic did the same thing talent. last month <laughs> yeah she said i've always wanted to do this and and it was as if she had a little moment of like being able to not reinvent yourself but almost like it's a change in perspective and you're like you know that was always really important yeah you know and i've like it's, it's almost like people get to come out like quite yeah. a lot of menopausal women come out you know literally they come out of the closet and they go actually <laughs> i never really liked or whatever or they come out in other ways like i've come out like said you know i always used to joke and i'd make a joke out of it and say you know everything i've ever done is because of a dream or no i've just come out i'm like I'm a dreamer. That's what I do. All of my work, all of my books, all of the yoga nidra, all of that. It comes from dreaming. And I'm not, I I'm not ashamed to say that anymore. And then lo and behold, what happens is you step up in your menopause and then others are there to connect with you. And you can inspire others by demonstrating what it's like to be free to actually really be yourself in every way, sexually, you know, creatively, in terms of how you deal with your friends and your work. And in terms of how you look after your body, which I know you did want to talk about, didn't you? You wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So, kind of what you're taking, uh, what you're, what I'm taking away from that little bit is like there's this perceived loss of juiciness in menopause, but all the things you're talking about, the sex, the artistry, the creativity, the dreaming, that is the juice. Like that's the literally the term is the thing. That's what it means. And so, can you maybe speak to us a little bit about? those types of things things that you do because there isn't necessarily some type of drying off of like desiccation which we're all doing at various rates and what do you do to like to nourish that part of it so that that doesn't become a, a big thing or take over okay this is my favorite thing to talk about yes yeah, so there is a natural desiccation as we age you know the skin thins and it's like the light shines from within but what can happen is that all parts of the so that's why I mentioned the length of vaginal dryness and the kind of almost like the desiccation of your skin and your capacity. You get a bit brittle. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, I'd say the key practice, key, like there's no point doing anything else without rest. Like actually there's yogic rest. So I teach yoga nidra, but like basically sleep and rest. And that's often disturbed. In, in, in menopause, people will often get sleep disturbances for all kinds of reasons. But it doesn't matter if you wake up in the middle of the night, it can feel upsetting. You can practice yoga nidra, you can rest, you can organize life to get more. So without sufficient sleep, all sorts of aspects of aging are accelerated. And, and menopause is a massive hormonal shift and emotional shift, but it's also part of the process of aging. They all go together. You know, unless you're having menopause earlier on or you've had a surgically induced menopause earlier on, like after a hysterectomy. But but when people are arriving at menopause in their 40s and 50s, your aging is part of the process. So nourishment of the body is key. Rest is the key nourishment. Like actually, And when we talk about lubrication, people think, oh, I can rub stuff in. You know, I can. There's no point. It's too late by the time it's got to the outer manifestation of desiccation. <laughs> there's something dry inside. So we were joking before we were talking about making sure you nourish yourself with things like ghee. When I say ghee, I mean ghee, H-double-E, you know, but it has a beneficial effect on the ghee, as in like on, on, the, on the yoni, because basically if you're ingesting quality oils, and ghee is a great quality. Or people have got this idea that, oh, I'm going to get fat and I need to do low fat stuff. Stuff that. The juiciness and the, and the nourishment needs to come from inside. The lubrication can't be rubbed in. Although, although sesame oil is a really nice, you know, a younger. Like, so it's like deep 
mass and, and, and nourishment from inside and outside I feel helps you can build it into a ritual it can be part of your rhythm once a week or once a day skin brushing oil oil lap pushing the oil into you but taking insufficient quality oils and it's like sleep is like an oil it's like a deep nourishment it's like mm -hmm. the fat that enables your brain to work so even things like mind wipe you know a lot of people talk about or mood swings or this sense that totally distraught disconnected and wandering into places like why did i open this refrigerator why am yeah. i even in this room getting in the car where am i supposed now that happens to all sorts of people at all times but it becomes a bit of an issue i think as we as we get through menopause partly because we're engaging with some really big stuff but i really have noticed those people may be following ayurvedic guidance for their specific constitution and making sure that there's i mean it's a lot of fat you need to keep you and it and as the, the the aging process of the vagina is 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 a natural process that happens and you can accelerate it and you can like ease it instead of it being all pleated you know like a little fan that opens up or the rose that opens up you can start to desiccate and to mm. to atrophy honestly if there was a thing called penile atrophy it would be like an international emergency if everyone said i'm sorry once you get over 50 you're going to get penile atrophy there'd be freaking like a task force to address it there'd be an international <laughs> wouldn't there can you so ever ask about it but like people go oh yeah. vaginal atrophy they just say to you oh that's your age i'm like well actually no <laughs> do you know the difference between an 80 year old clitoris and an 18 year old clitoris do you know what the difference is what? The 80-year-old clitoris is bigger. The clitoris continues to grow. Yeah. So when we're talking about sexual pleasure, and it, yeah, people are always amazed. It, it's it's one of those organs and tissues in the body that continues to grow. A bit like your nose or your ears. Have you ever noticed very elderly yeah. people? My dad's yeah. 92. His, his ears are huge in his nose. Now, with the clitoris, she continues to grow. And with the vagina, she can continue to be well, you know, lubricated and a source of pleasure. But often the pleasure nature changes, like, mm. you know, penetrations, penetrative sex without sufficient, you know, arousal was probably never a comfortable thing. And it can become actually <laughs> really, 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 it causes all sorts of UTIs and all kinds of things. There's loads mm. of sexological kind of understanding about that now. But the key thing really, I think, is for a happy yoni, it needs a happy body to live in. You need to be well-nourished and well-oiled. And that massage and self-care and self-pleasure don't need to involve the kinds of sexual experiences that perhaps were never very pleasing anyway. And the women are just like, no, I'm, I've had enough of that, you know. So I'm, I'm really encouraging the sense that really engaging with the yoni as a capacity for, for pleasure giving. And the ghee for your ghee is a very important thing. Not, you know, you eat it, put it in your food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't that's know if really that's helpful, but like, yes, it's, 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 oh my God, yes. it it's ties right in some of the guidance that Ayurveda gives around aging, which yeah. is, you know, if you've ever been in the blessed position of receiving Ayurvedic massage, you know, you realize there's a lot of oil involved, but mm. you can do it. You just pop down to your, you know, local whole food stores and get yourself your sesame oil or your coconut oil. It doesn't have to be expensive stuff. It's like food, the, the, the skin needs to be fed and you feed from the inside. And then yeah. I look at all these wonderful, like aging bodies when you travel in countries where people are actually living and eating in those rhythms. 
and joints move differently. People to, to, to be present with their own aging is a totally different thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So to, when we talk to movement a little bit, because obviously a yeah. large part of what you do is movement practices. And I would have learned lots of them with you in terms of living within the cycle of menstrual stuff um, and also around pregnancy and birth. Mm. But I know that you have some beautiful practices around this. So if people are listening, obviously, ideally, they come train with you, they buy your book, <laughs> they involve themselves in the only shakti movement. But what, what, are those movements like because they're quite different than what people would conceive of as like yoga regular yoga. yeah thank you thank you because i actually think um we need to really welcome nutritious movement i'm talking a lot about food I, I'm, I'm big into food i do a lot of good things into food i'm big into food right so listen you want your movement to nourish your body you don't want it to stress the joints yeah and you don't want it to like actually aggravate any temperature regulation issues because often a lot of women will either get massive like hot flushes or they'll find they get really chilly you know and so you so fast hot practices are not for everybody some people find them helpful but my the way I like to, to suggest movement with people is often very rhythmic so a lot of the practices we do are moving in spirals and circles they're quite gracious so they make they they, they give pleasure they feel very lovely they're connected to the senses and um one of the would say is a lot of the rhythmic movements especially around the the pelvis and and the joints around the hips and the shoulders are all about circles so you're actually basically maintaining range of motion mm. lifelong lifelong there is no need to lose range of motion and the moment we stop moving the aging process changes and I'm mm. sure you've seen, you know, elderly dancers and elderly sports people who've like found a way not to punish the body, but to keep with the like so more. It looks more gentle, but it's actually deeply nourishing and strengthening. And what you can do, particularly one of the issues that arises sometimes is osteopenia, which is mm. the early stages of osteoporosis. Osteopenia is reversible. And some of the most amazing um, positive yoga therapy um, programs have used asana which is the yogic term for the for the movements we do to build bone strength without stressing the joints mm -hmm. so i mean bearing so things like the cat and the dog but it has rhythm and movement you know i, I as i'm doing it it's quite hard to do it without actually and it, it's more they look more like dance to be honest like yeah. indian dance and but there's a lot of movement on keeping all of the joints moving through their natural range of motion. You don't do any, you know, those crazy yoga poses that are way out of natural range of motion. Only acrobats can do them and they can damage your joints. What you want to do is to build a twin a pair of like keeping the strength and, and keeping range of motion. So, and it, it can be daily stuff, you know, and there's all kinds of wonderful studies that we know about, like people who daily, like daily cyclists, commuters, people who, who daily walk or who dance or who move. And then basically you're kind of, you're avoiding getting into all of the pains and the difficulties of joints that have got seized up and uncomfortable. And, and how do you lubricate? We're talking about lubricating the body and the ghee with the ghee and all that, but how do you lubricate the joints? Movement mm. is what lubricates joints. And like I've studied with, with wonderful teachers in Italy and in Greece and people like, um, you see um, mo people moving like Angela Farmer, who've got like 50 or 60 years of this very gentle, it's not fierce practice that stresses you. It's nutritious movement that you want and pleasurable movement. You know, something yeah. that feels lovely to do and lush and luscious and you can actually feel it. It's like it juices up 
the joints you know yeah. it's so interesting yeah. and I think it's it's so relevant I mean I'm going to be 40 the end of this year um and this year really has been for me this massive period of transition for where I just suddenly started to feel that my regular asana practice does not serve me anymore where it had where it had made me feel stronger and more alive and more energized and all these things suddenly injuries started to creep in and fatigue started to creep in and sacroiliac stuff and you know and I never had like one of those crazy acrobatic practices but I still had like more regular asana practice and it's really been this coming towards this thing of going okay menopause is coming like I know I can feel the changes maybe it's not right now but it's coming and I can feel that that inclination in me towards a rest b oils mm. <laughs> and c going oh, I need to do less in my practice not mm. that I want to stop practicing because I love yoga and it's my life but I need to change the way that I practice and I'm having these conversations with women more and more about female pelvis and constantly talking about like people coming to me going I just keep going to yoga and I keep getting injured <laughs> mm. and you know and it's interesting how that stuff starts coming to you at the right time that I can feel yeah. that coming and I guess I wanted to ask you for people like me who have who haven't come to menopause yet but are looking ahead at it consciously what could we be doing now in this time to prepare for it okay honoring our cycles 100 percent and living within those things but are there things that we should be doing now on top of that now, I think that nobody needs more to do. You know, everybody has too much to do. And the simple thing you do is just take what you already do and flip it around. So most people wait to the end of a class to do the Shavasana, don't they? They're like, I'm only, I, I love me here for the Shavasana. I love that bit at the end. My top tip, and this is how I tend to teach, is you make the priority practice, the Yoga Nidra or the Shavasana, and you do that first I mean maybe you do a little activation first because you have to say you've only got a half an hour or an hour you put the rest practice in first why because when you emerge in a well-rested body mm -hmm. your body will talk to you you can hear yeah. what it's calling for and so it'll say yeah I need to do a little bit of this or I need to do a little bit of this whereas if you come in a lot of people like land into a yoga class like hit the ground running and they just keep on running and moving and and, and that's how the injuries happen if everybody actually slowed the F down, right? <laughs> Slow the F down, rest, do a 15 minute nid, you start to move, listen to what the body wants and the body will start to talk to you. If the body has never been listened to before, because like I do this practice, this is how I do. And then we rest at the end when we feel, you know, shattered, then of course you get injured. But actually if you flip it around, and use the nidra practice i do this as you listen into the body you welcome the body as your dearest friend you listen to what they actually have what the body has and some days the body will be like yay we want to go down there and go water swimming and run and, and we want to do more asana sometimes the body's like you know i just need to do that rocking from side to side thing today and move around and if you practice listening to the body then you can listen to wider things because the body, everything that's ever happened, a lot of people get like recovered memories of trauma and forgotten memories and forgot, they're all in the body. And we never listen to it because we're busy kind of keeping on thinking we have to keep moving. But actually mm -hmm. that's a simple thing anyone can do. Flip the practice mm -hmm. around, rest first, listen to what comes out of the rest and then do less or do it with exploratory interest. Like why is this not feeling right? Well, maybe if I do it mm -hmm. in a different way, Maybe if I do actually 
only do the things that feel nourishing and good, you can still keep building strength and keep mm. flexibility and range of motion, but you do it with respect for the body and not like you're in charge because the body will make herself heard. Mm. If, yeah. <laughs> you so you, you, a lot of your wisdom sounds like it's very felt wisdom, which is beautiful. It feels like it's very much like your body has taught you these things and it's because yeah. you've listened and now you've got yeah. these great offerings. But external guides and like, did you have major people in your life who you listened to and who picked up these, you got these sorts of nuggets or got the kind of little nudges in the right direction from, or yeah. where did you get the I, kind of wisdom in your sources? I, I, th I think it's, it's really important to cite one's sources and, and let people know how we've learned about these things. So um, I think a lot of the wisdom of Ayurveda is, has been really key because Ayurveda and yoga are a sort of sisters so I've learned a lot from um, practitioners like Arti Gatora who's an Ayurvedic doctor I've been who's who I've worked with on and off for years as a colleague but her wisdom around Ayurveda is really important and understanding um, some of the wisdom that come through from older teachers I've already mentioned people like Angela Farmer watching her in her 80s move was like an affirmation for how I had chosen to move. So the wisdom of Ayurveda, the wisdom of um, like older teachers. And I actually think that the cyclical wisdom teachings are key. Now, they're basically indigenous teachings. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, there are a lot of trademarked folk going around with their way of doing it. And they're easy to find. And they give really valuable teachings. So books that help people understand about their periods, like Wild Power that the people at Red School have put out, and people who are working with that kind of menstrual education. That was key to me, understanding my cyclical wisdom. But what I realized underneath all of that was that there is an indigenous wisdom and there's a Celtic indigenous wisdom about the, the, the wheel of the year. And a lot of the teachings from India that I'm working with all these goddesses are from the, the teachings of Shakta Tantra, of Ma, the Mahavidyas, the wisdom goddesses. And that's been really, really key. So that um, those teachers are, are really, they're often very humble and really quiet. So, and I think in many ways I've learned from my peers. So I want to give a shout out to the women like I've traveled with through on, on our network, our Yoga Nidra network. So I work with Yoli Maya Ye, who's working at that indigenous wisdom and social justice work. I think there's often a as we age to speak up so that's kind of what I've done with the only Shakti the movement to speak out against abuse in, in yoga against some of the very um patriarchal and, and white supremacist control systems that are part of why women are so oppressed it's all connected so speaking out about those things is part of the, the menopause journey for me and also being nourished by my peers like Shivani Mata Francis who's a younger colleague of mine but whose wisdom in terms of her devotional practice as a yoga nidra practitioner has been deeply nourishing people you know i think we we can look close by and looking at my mother honestly who in lots of ways people are like you know who's proper dublin girl and i'm like looking at how this person has aged i think it's helpful to look to our own aunties and mothers sometimes you look and you go well now i wouldn't do it that way <laughs> <laughs> and then you kind of develop a renewed respect i'm grateful that all my elders are still around you know, yeah. 92 yeah. and 82 yeah. and a granny who lived to be 104. So, so I think it's good to look in our own families and see there are things you would learn from their mistakes, but there mm. are other people you'd have some like hats off, fair play to them. They, they showed you like ways to just 
to still be around in a vital way mm-hmm. that menopause was something that they kind of grew through yeah. i don't know if that's helpful but the resources that yeah, i found is. are really useful are a lot of resources from ayurveda really um, really helpful yeah Uma, one thing that I, I wouldn't want us to finish this conversation without touching on and it's the question that we get all the time is what about hrt can you talk into oh that? yes Now, what about HRT? What is it literally? It's hormone replacement therapy. And that kind of is like one big catch-all. And I think if we're talking about it, we have to realize there's there's been lots of different ways that people have sought to supplement and support the hormonal changes. Because there is like a massive change. The estrogen levels are dropping, but also so is other stuff changing, your testosterone and, and, and everything is altering. So I I kind of look at it in a similar way than you might kind of understand something like hormonal contraceptive, because they can't think, you know, part of them are synthetic hormones, but you can also get naturally arising bioidentical hormones. I am not an expert in HRT because I've never taken it. Like, so I, I can't speak from personal experience about it, but I know that there are people who are very clued up about how distinct and many differences there are around all the different kinds of hormonal um, replacement therapy you know and my sense is that for some women the experiences they have at the the time of change are so excruciating painful and life-limiting that actually it's a wise choice people having 70 or 80 hot flushes a day you can't live with that stuff the mm. mental changes and in, in, are often misdiagnosed mm. like mental health in in, in perimenopause mm. is a key issue one of the mm. first menopause workshops i ever ran was down in cork city and every single woman in that group said god i thought i was going mad mm. so often women are medicated with antidepressants mm-hmm. and and sleeping pills when actually what they might need is self-care and rest <laughs> So what I'm saying is I, I would point, I would flag up the work of Diane Danzibrink, who runs menopausesupport.co.uk. There's been some big changes in the UK recently, allowing HRT to be much more freely available. And I think for, for some women, it's really key, you know, mm. but I actually think that's a relatively small number of people. And one of the key things that needs to happen is that as we prepare for menopause and as we move through it, if we put in place the rhythms and the nourishing practices of rest, self-care, appropriate diet, upping the fat intake, keeping moving, then actually what I've noticed, people who were on HRT, who all thought that was the only answer, discover, in fact, that they have other ways of dealing with this. It's like HRT is a resource. You don't want to diss it. It's a resource that's really needed for some folk who find this an absolutely intolerable transition. But why are transitions intolerable? If we get really deep into it, we can often help ourselves immensely to get to the place where actually say, no, we, we can resource ourselves to resource our bodies in ways that may mean that it's not even an issue. It's like, well, why would I even need that when I've got like this, that and the other going on? So my, my suggestion, I don't tend to give advice, is to be really clear about the full multidimensional experience of menopause. It is physical. It is also energetic, but it is key we address the mental health issues because that's often like it's like a cascade starts to happen people show up feeling depressed and exhausted and they get an antidepressant and then they're down the line and then in the end well fucking hell you probably need the hrt because there's nothing else to help you know whereas if you actually addressed and spoke about what was going on in the beginning and i'm thinking in the 40s 
you know, when people are starting to see that, if we actually were honest about it and said, I need more self-care, I need more rest, what can I do mm. to support myself and get others to support me? And it takes a cultural change so that we don't see that the pill that you take in the same way that people just take a pill for contraceptive purposes. And there's loads of other ways you could work with that. Or they just pop a pill for menstrual pain. If you're attra tracking these things with conscious awareness, if you're focusing it, you can see that you can approach menopause with conscious awareness. And so you come in resourced, prepared and nourished, and then you're well able to deal with what's going on because you do need to be well rested. It's not for the faint hearted. Yeah. If, if the guys had to do this the way we had to do it, I think there would be an outcry. Like you never yeah. know when it's going to start. You don't know how long it's going to take. You have no clue what kind of experiences you're going to have. And and um, it's the biggest thing that's going to happen to you in your life. And we're not going to tell you when it starts. And you're, you're signed up for it anyway, lads. You know, yeah. would the lads put, would the lads take that? They would not. They'd say, no, we need to have like, we need to really address this. This is important. This is a vision quest. Yeah. So I think if, the, if as, 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 as women entering into menopause, if people going through menopause, I think if we address those five kind of concepts that it's it's not just physical it's energetic it's emotional it taps into your intuitive awareness about your asser asserting your meaning and purpose in life that yeah. changes everything it does and Uma you have a really beautiful offering coming up all around menopause right at the end of February you have a, a retreat which you were telling us a little bit about before but can you tell the people listening yeah. it just sounds in, in brief it's I think it's good to take a pause so I said you could take a menopause or gap year but you might just take a weekend so the last weekend in February I do an online retreat in 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 cahoots with an Ayurvedic we offer recipes and that kind of thing to support you. And we do really beautiful nidra practices, movement practices, all the stuff I've been talking about over like Friday evening to kind of Sunday lunchtime online. It's a very low impact kind of thing because the impact of menopause is massive. So we want to be gentle and supportive. So you're welcome to sign up and see me online for that. I'd love to welcome any menopausal beings or perimenopausal beings we want to get some skills and tools and a sharing space to sort of welcome this as a great mm. adventure. <laughs> yeah, it's the unknown, isn't it? That's what it is. Exactly that. Yes. Yeah. Good for you. OK, thank you so much. That's been like really, really enlightening. Really. Oh, my God. We can listen to you really for hours. I, I feel kind of disrespectful in any way drawing this to an end because you could just go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to do, we'll have to do part two, part three, keep going. Love to. Um, but Uma, yeah, it's just been an absolute joy. Yeah. And I think, I hope, I certainly feel listening to it now that thinking about menopause feels kind of exciting. Like, mm. like you said, like an adventure rather than this kind of dreaded list of symptoms as you were talking about. And if, if women take that away from listening to this, I think that's just such a massive life shift. Yeah. And what a gift. What a gift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And don't go on the adventure on your own. I mean, there are more menopausal women on this planet now than there have ever been. Yeah. Really, that's the demographic. There's plenty of good companions. You know, start talking about it. Have menopause conversations with everybody. Mm. <laughs> I already am. I will carry on going. Yeah, I call upon the men listening to, to get involved in those conversations as well. Be part of that journey, big time, be helpful. Okay. All righty. Uh, just remains for us to thank our sponsors, Clear Light Saunas. Uh, infrared heat has been a big part of my life for the last few years, and it's something that I'm quite sure would be helpful for those of you going through menopause or engaging with any sort of change in life. It's a great 
escape hatch uh, and it's a great way to um, to to sweat off some of the adventure uh, of the day and also just brings great like anti-inflammatory healing to the body so uh, thanks to them but most of all thanks to you Uma and that's been a real treat and um, I hope everyone's enjoyed watching and I'm sure they have because you've given so much yourself and thank you so much thank you Take care. bye everybody bye bye